You're listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant newsmaking issues and individuals. Sponsored by Greenberg Traurig, LLP. The civil war in Yemen has ripped apart the country in more ways than just the physical demolition seen in endless photos. Now in its fourth year, the war is the result of rivalry between the Yemeni government against the Houthi Shia rebel alliance, backed by Iran, combined by mischief from al-Qaeda, who operates relatively freely. The war figures prominently in the intense regional power struggle between Iran on one hand and Saudi Arabia and the UAE on the other. The conflict has taken a toll on the well-being of all Yemeni citizens, bringing malnutrition, psychological harm, and a climbing death toll. While the UN no longer reports deaths, according to the Council on Foreign Relations Global Conflict Tracker, there have been upwards of 16,000 civilian casualties, 2 million displaced persons, and it now considers Yemen to be the seat of the world's worst humanitarian disaster, with over 22 million people in need of assistance. Our guest today, Mohammed al-Samawi's escape from Yemen, is a remarkable and unlikely story. Yet his arrival in the United States, as told in his book, The Fox Hunt, a refugee's memoir of coming to America, is a description of the power of faith, courage, and reconciliation. Thanks so much for joining us here in Dallas. Thank you so much for hosting me. So for decades, Yemen has been unstable. But the civil war that erupted in the latter half of 2014 brought a new level of destruction and foreign involvement. What was the spark, the factors that contributed to this increase in temperature? First of all, your introduction is perfect. And you said most of the problem, what's happening in Yemen now. It's a problem between a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran, and they're fighting in Yemen. You said that my story is amazing, but I tell you that (coughs) my story is amazing because I was lucky to escape from the war in Yemen. Wait until the war will end in Yemen. You'll find 26 million have an amazing story to tell. Unfortunately, because of the war, because of what's happening now in Yemen, nobody is able really to escape and to tell their own story. What's and hap- there's been so little press coverage, really, of photos and videos. Absolutely. Because, yeah. It's because Saudi Arabia and Iran, both of them, they don't want to show really what's happening inside Yemen. What happened in Yemen is basically about, we had a very weak democracy system in Yemen. We had a former president, his name Ali Abdullah Saleh, and Ali Abdullah Saleh used to be the president of Yemen for more than 32 years. I mean, when I was born, he was already the president of Yemen. And what happened after that is that there is a group in Yemen called Houthis. And Houthis, they have a disgusting logo which says, Death to America, Death to Israel, Damn the Jews. They controlled like a small town in Yemen. And the president of Yemen at that time, he was able to finish them. And he was able, like, you know, if he did just one fight against them, he can finish all of them. But it was a source of money for him because this extreme group says death to America. So Ali Abdullah Saleh asked for help from the American government. They said death to the Jews. So he asked help from the Jewish NGOs to help him to protect the Jews in Yemen. How many Jews are there in Yemen? Or were there? They were in Yemen like a few hundred. I don't mm-hmm. know exactly the number. Mm-hmm. And it's also exactly the same thing with the war right now. There is casualties and there's people who are dying every day, but nobody is actually counting them. The reason behind that is there's not enough resources to tell you and there's not enough people to record what's happening day by day basis. But because of Houthis, because of this extreme language that they're using, Ali Abdullah Saleh was trying to use them as a tool of having money from other countries. And he's a corrupted person. He wasn't giving the money for the Yemeni people. He was giving the money for himself. Mm. 
and Houthis became stronger and stronger by the support of Hezbollah, <coughs> by the support of Iran. Saudi Arabia, on the, the other hand, was trying to see the, the situation from far away. Now, when the Arab Spring happened, everyone was asking to Ali Abdullah Saleh to leave Yemen. And he said, okay, I will leave, but I want to show you. If I will not be in the power anymore, you will see the disaster that coming to Yemen. So he gave the power to Houthis to come all the way to the capital city, and they were against the new president of Yemen, Abdurrahman Mansur Hadi, and because of that, the Houthis start targeting everyone with the government, and he left, and Saudi Arabia started helping the government. And then you have the proxy war. And that proxy war that happened. What a complex situation. It is a complex situation. So where, you ended up in Aden. Yes. But that wasn't your hometown. No, I'm from Sana'a, I'm from mm -hmm. the north. So what took you to Aden? Looking for security? Because I was looking for security, uh, I started receiving threats on my life. The reason that I moved, because I want to be far away from my family, because I want them, if they want to kill me, at least they will kill me and not will have So why do they want to kill you? Because my activities, I was trying to build bridge between Muslims, Christians, and Jews. And I was everything against their logo. I was the one who communicated with Americans, I was the one who was communicating with Israelis and with Jews. So where did you go to university? And Yemen, Sana'a University. And what did you major in? Business administration. Business administration. So what was the root of your decision to take this role <laughs> as an activist? It started by a book. It started by the Bible. I had a friend, his name Luke, he's from England. I tried to convert him to Islam. So I gave him a copy of the Quran and he gave me the copy of the Bible. And I started reading the Bible. And the more that I was reading the Bible, the more that I was fascinated about the similarities between Islam and Christianity and Judaism. So I started asking questions. If Jews and Christians have such amazing book, why there is such hate? So I was able to find Christians in Yemen, but it was kind of like hard for me to find Jews. So I started using Facebook, asking for Jews like questions, why do you hate us? And after that, I became more and more active uh, online and started doing work also in the field. So then you were really on a, a list to be killed? Yeah. or You let people know through Facebook that you were in this situation? and then it's, somehow or another you were able to escape. Tell us that story, we have just a, a minute or two. It's also again Facebook. Uh, when I was in It's Aden, nice to know that Facebook is doing something good on this. It's a very good thing, actually. In, in most of the third world country, Facebook is kind of like the window that you can see news, you can know exactly what happened outside of the government propaganda. You see, if I was just not focusing on Facebook, I would listen to the news from the radio or from the local TV, and they only have one propaganda. In the time of the war, when Houthis started coming to Aden, they were bringing Quran in the, in the local news. So you don't know really what's happening around you. Facebook was kind of like the window to know what's happening around me. Um, and I asked through Facebook, mm -hmm. I asked anyone, if I, anyone I know, if they can help me out to escape from my apartment. But weren't you worried about somebody else seeing that, like the police or something? That, that? At that time, I was afraid from Al-Qaeda. <laughs> Al-Qaeda was controlling Aden at that time, and I was afraid more because my background is Shia. And Al-Qaeda, they were giving accused, uh, anyone like Shia, like me, is a Houthi. Right. So they would basically kill, kill okay, me. Okay, so how did you get out? I asked on Facebook, and there is four Americans that I barely know, uh, one Christian, three Jews. They were able to help me out. Did in, they know each other or were they all they, separate? I connect them through Facebook and they were able to help me out in 13 days. Okay, so what did they do? Did they send you money, a plane ticket? They, hel they helped me out to do a military operation and to be able to escape from, from Aden to Djibouti to Africa. Have you met them? Of course, they are my family here in the United States. And where do they live? Uh, Daniel, he lives in New York 
Uh, Justin lives in San Francisco, Megan lives in Washington, D.C., and Natasha lives in Tel Aviv. Okay, so now what have you, when, when did you arrive in the United States? I arrived in June 2015. And now did you get political asylum? I or? asked for political asylum and thank God they granted the asylum. Are you, are you a U.S. citizen now or holding a green I, card? I, I hope in the future. I'm in the process of the Inshallah. Inshallah. So tell me what you're doing now. Right now I'm working on interfaith. That's my, my duty to, to the world. Uh, um, you know, uh, when, you, when you read my book, you figure out that I should be killed at least two times in Yemen. And I think God saved my life for a reason. And Are you worried about your security now? No. The amazing thing about the United States is that you can be who you are, you can say whatever you want to say, and nobody will come to kill you. Uh, and that's the difference between the United States and Yemen. So what are some of the things you're doing to build this interfaith dialogue? Uh, I am in the board of the Muslim Jewish Solidarity. It's an organization focused about interfaith between Muslims and Jews. And I'm also a fellow for the International Center for Religion and Diplomacy, where we're trying to reach imams who are having uh, speak against Jews or Christians in a bad way. And we're trying to communicate with them to understand why they have such hate speech. We're trying to focus also in the Christian community and the Jewish community. So, uh, And the third thing I'm focusing about is called the Yemen Peace Project. I am in the board of it. And we're trying to advocacy about the war in Yemen. You know, just a few months ago, or a few weeks ago, on August 9th, there was a horrible catastrophe when Saudi Arabia um, allegedly bombed a bus. 54 people were killed, including 44 children. Yeah, they were using U.S. equipment. The United States, whether or not we are involved on the ground, whether or not, we certainly are involved. Definitely. What should be the role of the United States? And that's why I am part of the Yemen-based projects. We're trying to advocate senators and congressmen to stop selling weapons to Saudi Arabia. That's the first thing that we need to do. Selling weapons, it's the kind of like the fuel that the war continues. It's kind of like the petrol that Saudi Arabia is using to continue the war in Yemen. If we give a, a direct message to Saudi Arabia that we will not sell any more weapons to you, I think it will be a direct message to stop the war in Yemen. And the United States as a country of freedom and a country that a lot of people consider as the, lead, the leader of the world. I think the uh, United States have a duty to start, like, you know, have a dialogue between parties of Yemen and stop the war in Yemen. Mohammed, I want to thank you for being with us. The story of Yemen's civil war is certainly underreported. This makes your book, The Fox Hunt, even more important for us to read and to consider what may be done to hopefully end this brutal conflict. It's also a story of positive impact of what an individual, you, can do to mobilize others and to provide vital humanitarian assistance. Wishing you all the best, inshallah. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org. Global IQ Minute is sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP, a global firm with 2,000 attorneys in 38 offices across the globe. Visit the firm at gtlaw.com.